What's going on, guys? It is Monday, October 1st, so happy October. It is Sorry to Interrupt podcast here. Um, so we are going to go over everything except for football on our Monday run- Rundown podcast. Uh, so today, finally, the MLB season was decided. MLB playoffs are set. So Sean and I went in and broke down the first wild card games and then the first round of the playoffs. Went extensively into the Yankees, obviously. Then we moved on to college football, recapped last week, and went into a preview of week six, which is a pretty pretty empty week. Um, but moving on, we talked about Jimmy Butler for a quick second. Not much happening there. And then we previewed our podcast that is going to be on tomorrow. Not on Wednesday. It's going to be on tomorrow because we want to watch the Yankee game. So we will have the NFL podcast tomorrow. Follow us at Sorry Sports on Twitter, Sorry underscore Sports on Instagram. Check out the website, alwayssorrysports.com. And we actually have a new thing. I, I put a bunch of hours in. I went on Yahoo. It took me about 10 days to do. I created an email, sports at yahoo.com. Shoot us an email. If you have some good questions, we might even put them on the air if we have some time during a podcast one day. Some suggestions or you just want to say what's up. It's going to be a lot more consistent to do that than to do it on any other medium. So, yes, yeah, sports at yahoo.com. Shoot us an email and enjoy the pod. What's up, guys? We are sorry to interrupt. We are officially in October. It is October 1st of 2018. Playoff baseball, college football, well going on. Also, the NFL is four weeks deep now. Tom, what's up, man? We are in one of the hot spots of, oh, the, yeah. of the sports calendar. Took 163 to get it set up uh, for the majority of the NL, but we do have a fully finished playoff picture now. We have a complete playoff bracket after the two games today, so just a quick rundown of what we're going to do today. We're going to touch up on all things baseball, forecasting the postseason with a clear picture taken care of. We're going to look hard at the Yankees situation, possible starting pitching, We'll run down our college football from the week and uh, anything new on Jimmy Butler. Tom will have that for us. Uh, maybe more speculation on his part, too. Remember, GM Tom, you can't get this anywhere else. So, all right, brother. So, let's get into it. We're going to talk jump baseball. Right in, baseball. What, um, a game, what a day today, huh? Dude. A lot ba- of fun. I'm, I'm going to tell you one thing. There's a lot of things people are going to say about baseball and how it's this or that, or it's not captivating the young fans. It's a local one, sport. Right, it's all regional sport. Yeah, nobody cares about other teams. I, I really disagree with that. I, I think what they did by adding that second wild card, what was it, six years ago now, and having the races as tight as they can be because of the integration of a lot more teams, you know, feeling that they're competitive, as we discussed throughout the season, right? July deadline, August deadline has more activity than it's had ever before and the MLB got that crazy National League situation which we were detailing the whole way through had two we had two divisions that could not be settled in 162 yeah man a lot of fun um the Cubs didn't finish off the way I wanted them to but I was right about they've been free falling for a month though they they haven't gotten it all together their offense has been very very stagnant um I think you pre- you predicted the Rockies, Dodgers, Cubs, Brewers. I had the Cardinals in there, but they fell off a little bit late over the last week. But still a great season from the Cardinals. Losing really, the manager. Yeah, really good season. And, you know, before we jump into playoffs, because then we could pretty much write off the rest of the teams in the league, great career for David Wright. 
played it played well. That was you know, cool to see. Wasn't his fault that the Mets were the Mets. It's it's the Mets. What else can you say? But great career. Well, he spinal was, stenosis is hard, man. I mean, there, you tough. know, you're not coming back from that. He still looks like he's in game shape, but when you got a back like that, you know, you can never do it like he, he used he to. He looks like he's in game shape for a couple innings. That's really, of course, which yeah. is what he did. But, you know, good, good send off for them, you know, in a lost season for the Mets with all the high optimism that they had going into the year to end it with that and get a packed house in the last couple games of the season was was a good thing for them and, and honestly say goodbye to their captain and uh you know yeah, good tough career, for the David kid right i mean he had a good not good a hall of famer series. though no borderline very he's really borderline yeah i think he's in the hall of really good yeah i think he was always a really good player but you know the injuries have robbed him over the Southern last time also two-time gold glove two-time silver slugger one of the best mets ever but again he's not a hall of famer another thing great I was looking at some numbers today. Great season from the Tampa Bay Rays. Same record as the Atlanta Braves. You know, if they were in the AL Central, they actually were ahead of Cleveland heading into the final week. It's insane, man. And, and you know, Snell had a great season. They had Probably a lot Cy of, Young winner. Pro, I would say so. He led the league in a lot of categories. Um, you know, their manager, Cash, is, is a really good manager. Hopefully he gets basically promoted to a team that's actually going to commit to winning because the only t- player that they've really committed to is Kiermaier. They've sold everybody off. But great season from them down there. I know a lot of people don't pay attention, but we do because we're experts. So. Well, it's funny that you want to sing their their narrative now because you were giving me shit for sucking them off a couple of weeks All ago. Right. <laughs> I'm not sucking them off. I'm fin- I'm capping off the regular which season. Which is exactly so what I move was on to the real teams. But, okay, yeah. you'll do that all year, which is <laughs> the definition of sucking them off. Right. <laughs> Yeah, right. I'm giving them this this their due. David Ray got his minute. Now the Rays got their minute. Now I won't talk about now them again. Now you won't talk about them again? Exactly. So you know, why don't like we have a trend that they started with the opener and all that shit? Hey, the Yankees are doing it, and the A's are probably going to do it this Wednesday. But um, all right, so let's jump in, speaking of that, to some teams that are actually still playing in October. We'll start with the NL, and we'll finish off with the AL just because – we're a Yankees pod, so we got to reserve it. Absolutely. So today, the Los Angeles Dodgers in game 163 won their division, much to my dismay because I had the Rockies winning it, but they put up a great fight. They almost won their first division ever, and the Chicago Cubs lost to the Milwaukee Brewers who won their division. What a run. Christian Yelich, MVP for sure. Oh, yeah. Lock that in. Yep. No doubt. Um, so why don't why don't we look at some matchups? We'll go over the NL matchups first. The Rockies travel to Chicago tomorrow. Yeah, they 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 hop right in for the NL wild card game, which Man, is Tuesday. Doesn't get much better than this. So you're gonna have John Lesser going up against uh, Freeland, a left-handed pitcher for Colorado, because you know they that was who they can't. They don't want to prep for tomorrow, you know, today. They they kind of emptied their yep. emptied their tank and, and tried to win. And their staff is, is serviceable, but that's not their thing. They kind of mash teams, and then the end of their bullpen's really good. So I'm interested to see that one. I want to hear your thoughts on it. I think the Cubbies are going to win it with Lesser on the mound and continue their run. Agreed. Uh, this is Kyle Freeland, by the way. He's a 20-year-old uh, kid. Um so, you know, 17-7 and seven this year, 2.85. So probably in the way of their rotation. We probably should know who he and, is with that kind of record. Yeah, but no. I mean, I think there's so many of those guys this year, these years that pitch, you know, to pretty good ERAs that are on teams that, you know, you pay attention to, but it's not like he was getting Cy Young votes. So 
but I, I'm sure they don't mind him throwing there. I know they would rather have a guy like John Gray out there. We know they're bull, they're a bullpen heavy team, but yeah, I, I definitely think that you know although the Cubs lost the home field advantage today. Quintana started, went five, gave up one run, looked you pretty look solid. You look great. Uh, just no run support. You know, tomorrow it's John Lester and Wrigley Field in a winner-take-all game for the to for the right to go to the NLDS. You got to feel good about Lester. I mean, he's won every big game that he has had to in his career for two of the most storied franchises in baseball. I think the Rockies are a great story. Wouldn't mind seeing them win just because, you know, it's it's always cool to get that parity, but I, I don't see them losing. I, I think that this is a Cubs victory and they, and they will go on to the next round. I think that I think that game was really important, um, the the Cubs and the Brewers game, because it kinda lined up where the Dodgers got the advantage playing the young, inexperienced Braves team. I think this Braves team has a lot of talent. We're looking ahead to the DS, um, one of the one of the series, Braves Dodgers. But I just think the Dodgers have a lot more talent and they have a lot more experience and they're going to end up winning this series and moving on. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, I, I could see the Braves taking a game or two. I mean, what will be interesting here is, you know, uh, the Dodgers rotation, you know, uh, Jin Ryu has won some big games in his career. You know, he's pitching a lot of them since he's been in L.A. But Walker Buehler, their best starter that they've had outside of Clayton Kershaw this year, uh, pitch today and he got the win uh, against the Rockies so he wouldn't be available probably till game, game three. three of that series and at that point you know if it's tied you know anything can happen you know you wonder what a young kid's gonna do I, I think that with the Braves what's scary about them is they're playing with house money we, we've yeah. kind of talked about this right like you're on the same wavelength as I am they are they have no expectations the Dodgers have all the pressure they went out and got Manny Machado they went out and got Ryan Matson. they went out and got I mean how are uh, Brian Dozier you know they they've done everything that they can to win now I mean the, the it, it's a big it's a big test for them if they don't get past this round and somehow the Braves sneak up on them and take them by surprise I don't know what's going to happen in L.A. because they've put every dollar that they can into trying to win over the last few years. Haven't you know crossed that precipice yet? Yeah, they've they've come close. You know, they went to the World Series last Game year. Game seven. They've been they've been in it a lot, but yeah, I don't I don't know what Magic Johnson and those guys are going to do if if they don't make it past the first round. And Kershaw is a free agent. Yep. So Machado is a free agent. Moving on to the other game because we're both in agreement that the Cubs are going to win that. Really interesting series with Milwaukee if they do move on. Really, really interesting. I think Milwaukee did a lot in the trade on the trade deadline to improve their team. And the Cubs bullpen kind of scares me, man. It really does. It should. And I'm it's the one good. that's I'm the one that's rooting for them to win the World Series, aside from the Yankees, because I've been saying it all year that they're gonna win. I'm hoping that they can get hot and that offense can carry them because I think they probably have one of the top three offenses in baseball. Jesse Chavez is one of their top relievers, and Carl Edwards Jr. has struggled in high leverage moments this year, you know, with Brandon Morrow out. Obviously, they got nothing from Darvish. I don't really consider him a loss because they haven't had him all year. Yeah, no, you got you got to throw him away, but hopefully Hamels and Lester. This and is what you got Hamels Quintana for. Quintana can, can figure it out. If you got those three pitchers thrown in the playoffs – you got to feel good about your chances. Don't forget about Kyle Hendricks. He's won a lot of big games yeah, in his absolutely. career too. You know, he he was a driving force in 2016 to win them the World Series. And when these games, when you're when you're starting staff, really good of late these guys too. can go to the pen too and definitely beef up that pen a little bit. 
But looking at it from the Milwaukee side, they have a lot of offensive talent, and these pitchers are playing are pitching really, really well of recent. Yeah, they have. I mean, Gio Gonzalez, good pickup for them. Uh, I mean, they've got Chasin pitched them the game today. Gave up a solo home run to Rizzo. That was it. Um, I, I think the Brewers are really talented. They're deep. Obviously, if Christian Yelich continues to play like the MVP he has been this year, he's you know they they could be running into a buzzsaw. I mean, saw. the two, three, four hitters on that team are some of the best. It's ridiculous. Yelich, Aguilar, and then you have your Lorenzo Cain as well. And don't forget know? about the year Ryan Braun has had. Just steady again. Absolutely, Jonathan Scope can heat up at any time. He's one of the best power second basemen in baseball. I mean, this, this team has Shaw. a lot of talent. Yeah, Travis Shaw can go deep at any time. And then a guy who's under the radar, who I know you know who he is, Curtis Granderson coming off the bench. Of course. That's why they got him. Absolutely. Veteran bat off the bench to maybe hit you a home run in a playoff game. He's not going to be overmatched by the moment. Flip it on the side real quick. Let's just say for, you know, our predictions wrong and the Cubs don't prevail. Something fluky happens. Let's say Lester gives six really quality innings, has to come out, and the bullpen coughs it up to a Rockies team that can hit even away from Coors Field. How do you see that potential matchup favoring? I think Milwaukee takes that series. I just think their pitching is far superior to the Rockies and their offense can keep up with them. I mean, they aside from Yelich, who almost hit for the triple crown this year, they don't really have the offensive talent of the Rockies. I mean... When you have a guy, Nolan Arenado, who's probably a top-five player in baseball offensively and defensively, they're up the middle defense, and then Arenado as well is some of the best in baseball. DJ LeMahieu at second base, one of the best second basemen, and then Trevor Story having a top-five MVP season as well. Carlos Gonzalez has been you know, reinvigorated out there in Colorado. That team can hit for days. Even their catcher can hit. You know, Everybody on that team, top to bottom, aside from the pitcher, obviously, can hit. <laughs> Um, and, and holiday back, holiday back veteran leadership yes. off the bench. He's kind of their Curtis Granderson, you know, good, good oh, yeah. power bat off the bench. Yeah. That, that could be a very interesting series as well, but I still think Milwaukee has a little bit more talent, especially with that bullpen. That bullpen's a, a bitch man to face. They have some good arms coming out of there. Big time. So, I uh, mean, Josh Hader is the best reliever arguably in baseball right now. Yeah. He was, he pitched today. He was nasty. Three innings. Just shut the door. I mean, dude, he is – there's nobody. If if the Brewers have the lead, the only question with him is – and remember, Corey Knable, who was an all-star last year, lost his closer duties. He's now pitching in the 6th, 7th, and 8th. I mean, if they (laughs) – shit, if you're you're losing to the Brewers after 6, 6 and 2 thirds, you're, you're probably done. Yeah, Unless man. the moment gets too big for those guys. Yeah, they have that bullpen where it's not like the Yankees where it's all the names, but these guys are pitching really, really well this season. And yep. you know, like you said, six and a half innings, you're done. Slam the door, it's over, you know, on to the next game. But uh why don't we move over to the AL side? The uh, junior circuit. <laughs> the junior circuit. We'll talk about the Yankees last, so we'll go over the Cleveland Houston series I love first. That series. It's gonna be this one's going five. Yes. Absolutely going five, unless unless the Indians cool off and that Houston pitching can Houston's can take got home field correct. Yes, absolutely. So so there you go. I mean, if you get Verlander in one and five in Houston, I think he takes it. Absolutely, and you, I mean, not to mention Garrett Cole and all these other guys. That and they even got Keuchel in the second half has been vintage Keuchel. I mean, this is one of the best Charlie pitching Morton. staffs in the history of the We're league. We're seeing a repeat of last year. Oh yeah, for Keuchel's sure. a Cy Young winner. Garrett Cole. Yep. Having a Cy Young-esque year if it wasn't for Blake Snell. Charlie Morton. 
Yeah, no, this this team is nasty, man. Charlie Moore, and, you and, watched him dominate the Yankees Roberto, earlier this season. Oh, yeah. And Ro- Roberto Osuna, you know, now closing for them oh, with man. Ken Giles, you know, replacing Ken Giles, who was nothing but a problem, especially last year in the postseason, I how many big games he blew. That's a big jolt for them. And you got Lance McCullers out of the pen, Colin McHugh out of the pen. Yeah. It's going to be a carving copy of what they did in the postseason last McCullers, year. McCullers, who's an all-star starter yeah so i mean that guy's coming out of the pen that's just their team is the most i think the most talented team in baseball Corey kluber has an opportunity and so does trevor bauer to make up for that oh two that two oh series you know blown last year to the yankees i mean they have talented starting pitching themselves and obviously a very talented bullpen carlos carrasco another guy another guy who has made an all-star team before I mean, listen, these are two talented teams, but I just think the Astros, especially with that home field advantage, are just better. Brad Hand is a big deal for them because he can neutralize some guys on Houston. Is going to make them change their lineup is around Andrew a Miller little hurt? bit. No, so I was going to get into him. Andrew Miller, to me, is the X factor in this series because if he's right and you have him coming out in the fifth or sixth and you've got, you know... Um, what is it? Brad Hand and then Brad Cody Hand Allen and then Cody Allen. The I mean, yeah. they can flip either way uh, with Allen or Hand or Hand and then Allen. I mean, that is a th- that's another dynamic bullpen that's coming out to you if you don't have a lead after five. So, if Andrew Miller's healthy and he's the Andrew Miller of 2016, they should be fine. Yeah, I, I this is a gonna I, be a great series. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Astros in this Me one. Me too. Between the home field advantage and just the talent level and the way Verlander's pitched this year. Yep. I'm gonna go with the Astros. They to didn't take that seem like a one year CS. fluke last year. No, not at all, man. This team is stacked. And they talent. just got better. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Moving on. Here we go. We're gonna talk about the Yankees and the Oakland Athletics. Luckily, the Yankees locked this thing up. They played really well in Boston to finish off the season. They did, and they um, took three of four from Tampa, which was something that we were very concerned about. The way Tampa had been playing, particularly at home, and the struggles the Yankees yeah. had at Tropicana this year, it had been a house of horrors for them. So for them to go down, take three of four, was huge. I gotta say, for the end of the season, even though they, I think they just lost the game to the Red Sox to finish it off. Yeah, they didn't even. Aside yeah. from that couldn't have been happier with the way they finished off the season going into the postseason agreed everybody's hitting right now seemingly and everybody seemed to pitch pretty well aside from yesterday yeah i mean yesterday was a throwaway game for both teams you know they were swinging at everything they were just trying to get out of there the red sox had already locked up home field the yankees had already locked up the the home field for the wild card game they were they didn't even pitch severino so i was very happy with the way they played i want to get your your touch on this because we haven't talked about it since you know we've been on Luke Voigt, AL Player of the Week. Well, that too, I love Luke Voigt, and and you know I think, I texted I think you and I said he's light years ahead of Tyler Austin. Yep, absolutely. Man, Cashman, dude, and and I there was a great article that they were talking about how Cashman had said he'd been trying to get him for a while. You know yeah. how Cashman has those guys, mm-hmm. and he just didn't know what St. Louis wanted to do with them. And it seemed like they didn't really have a place for him. And it was, you know, the Tyler Austin deal just made it too much sense for them to be able to get to snag him. Cashman's the best, man. He's a wizard, dude. Listen, that was I, great. I've been thinking about this. I've been workshopping it. I've got three sports dads now, the holy trilogy of sports dads. I'm going to rattle them off for you here. Brad Stevens. Yep. Brian Cashman. Yep. Sean McVay. 
Yeah, well, that my means. three major <laughs> sports fathers right there. You got NBA, MLB, and NFL. You're covering it, man. Those are all my dads. You're covering if it. You put, if you put all their, their DNA and spun it together, I would pop out. I don't think so. <laughs> so, go, so how about CeCe on Thursday? So here's the thing that I love about this. And everybody was saying this, and our narrative's not going to be anything refreshing from it's what you haven't heard. It's not going to happen, but I but, like it. But here's the deal. The Yankees had kind of been sputtering, and they had that game wrapped up, right? At that point, they're already winning 11 nothing, and CeCe's coasting. And once again, in a game that they needed to win, he was pitching great. And got a little chippy with a Tampa Bay pitcher getting his, you know, getting his ass handed to him, giving up a couple back-to-back homers, throws at Romine's head. CeCe pops out of the dugout, and he goes out there, with $550,000 on the line because if he pitched two more innings, which he was certainly in line to, it was a blowout game, and he was only at like 57 pitches through five, he was going to get that incentive deal, which is big. I don't care how much money you've made. That's half a million dollars. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And he said, nah, fuck it. And I'm going to throw right at this motherfucker on Tampa that was the catcher who, you know, obviously ordered the the thrown at pitch, the intentional throw at Romine. Hit him right in the back, right where he was supposed to. You know, no nothing going near the head, nothing like that. And walked off the mound and just screamed right at the Tampa bench, you know, this is it, bitch. You know, like it was it was great. Like that is something that it shows when you have a guy like that do that for a young team that's trying to find its way through a tough second half and get into the playoffs. That's huge. That will be something that if they go on a run, that will be harkened back to. And for said, a second, you remember when CC Sabathia did that? Because I don't care what anybody says, he carries as much gravity in that locker room as any other player does for any of the teams remaining yeah. in the postseason, whether how integral he is on the field, you know, down the stretch or whatever. That's irrelevant. What he means in that room, incredible, great move. Love to see it. Every Yankee fan should have. For a second, I thought you were suggesting that CC should start the wild card game. Fuck no. And I kind of liked it. No. To do a bullpen game. And that's why I said not going to happen, but I like it. I didn't realize you were referencing this, but I do completely agree with you. I think sometimes these things are cliche. I really do. And I think they're stupid. And and I'm I'm much more into the numbers and things like that. Of course. But in a situation like this, I agree with you. I think that at that time especially, and I don't know how calculated it was by CeCe saying, it's the end of the season, let's get these guys fired up for the postseason. No, it wasn't that, but it was in the moment the but, way the game was going. But aside from that, and I don't think it was calculated, it was perfect timing. Right. You couldn't get these guys fired up at a better time because now I think it brings them together and they're going to be playing well, there even have, harder in yeah, this wild Well, there was game. no reason not there was no reason to do it if things were just going along the you know through the motions of an 11 and nothing game. You know, Tampa season was over and the Yankees had pretty much wrapped that one up and they were they're ter- about to turn their magic number to 1 to clinch that home field spot. And there were some fireworks and there was, you know, some kind of cowardly bullshit that was done by the Tampa Bay Rays. A young team that was probably upset with the way that they that they were ending their season, and there was some chippiness going on. I know that a couple of their players had gotten hit by you know some breaking balls, and they felt they had to take it into their own hands or whatever bullshit. But 
the great thing about that is when you, because you mentioned the cliche thing, right? And you hear about it on all sports, bulletin board material. You got to fire them up. You got to find something to ignite a team. If they're playing flat, the teams only look flat when they're not talented or they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. CC Sabathia has been in the game for a long time. He knows exactly when something like this needs to happen. He's not going to go out of his way to do it. But I do think that in a long season with a bunch of young kids who are trying to get there and, and understand what the postseason's about and get fired up and, and and kind of kick it into that next gear, those are things that rally a clubhouse. Yeah, I mean, and that's going to help out, guys. I mean, like, you, you have these guys last year that went to the ALCS, and pretty much everybody on the team went to the ALCS aside from Giancarlo and Har and Glaber. Right. And that's huge for a guy who I think is going to be a playoff rookie in Giancarlo, and the other two are actual rookies in Amdahar and Torres. That's something that, you know, it's going to let them know, like, it's fucking time to go. Like, yep. you got to step and it, it up. And it was done at the right time. It was it was just a great move, and, you know, I didn't need to – I didn't intend to spend a lot of time on it, but I just thought it was such a beautiful, cool thing because in this day in baseball – that doesn't really happen anymore, and you can tell that when it does, like that that fight that happened at Fenway early in the year, that was such a load of bullshit. That didn't need to happen. That wasn't a spark. Those were two teams that, you know, there was just no need for that to happen. Hold me back, this fights, was great. man. They're such a joke. This was great. Yeah, and, that, and it was done, and he walked off the mound, and, and and he knew exactly what he did, and he didn't, and he said, I guess, you know, money isn't everything when it comes to things like this. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but that's why they re-signed him, right? Yep. And and is and in addition, he's also been very good. It's not like he's throwing a seven ERA out there. Hey, I wouldn't mind if he pitched the wild card game. So let's get into this. Absolutely. So let's talk about the actual game. So Oakland has not announced a starter either, but you and I both feel it's because they're going to go, as you said, bullpenning. So we think that they're going to have a starter ready to go, probably whoever their best starter is. Their best starter got hurt with a shoulder injury. Their two best, yeah. Yeah, so whoever that may be, they have a really, really good bullpen. This team is talented, and they're not to be taken lightly at all whatsoever. No, I mean, they've been doing Tampa Bay light over the last month and a half. I mean, they've been throwing, you know, one of their top relievers, obviously not their closer setup man or anything like that, but they're throwing a guy with, you know, probably their version of Chad Green has been starting games. And then they throw one of their long men who's a starter, you know, one of their fourth or fifth starters, and to eat up innings. And then they go to, you know, they have Trinan, Familia, and Rodney, uh, you know, Trevano, uh, not in that order, but dynamic arms. Those are some good, those are even Rodney, who's, you know, he's an old fucking man, but. He can still do it out there when he shoots that stupid-ass arrow or whatever he does when he gets a save. He can still do it. And this team offensively, man, they are really, really talented. They work counts. Every pitch matters. You got a guy leading them like Chris Davis that led the league by far in home runs. You know, you don't see these 70 home run seasons anymore, but he had 48, which is big in the and non-steroid era. He's done that era. basically every year and playing out in the Coliseum. That's no joke. Absolutely. So... From the Oakland side, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get a good bullpen, and this team is going to grind out at bats. You need pitchers to be really, really on point when it comes to hitting the spots and and pitching within the strike zone as well. So let's look at it from the Yankee side because we pretty much know what we're going to get from Oakland. You're going to get, like I said, a bullpen game and and an offense that's really going to be picky and choosy when it comes to the pitches that they're going to go after. Who do you think is going to start this wild card game, and who do you want to see start? Who's your fantasy? Fantasy strong, but <laughs> um, 
I'd like to see either Tanaka or Hap. One of those two I would like to see. Tanaka, based off of what he's done in the postseason. I just think Hap because he just doesn't give a fuck. And I love... Well, I mean, neither does Tanaka, you know? I mean, yeah. the thing with Tanaka is he'll throw a dud like he did in Tampa last week. But he's week. not going to throw a dud when he's all the lights are on. He's not going to throw a dud in the postseason. He never has since he's been here. And those games kind of kick him into that next level of, of intensity and, and performance. Usually, you know, a tick up or two on that mile per hour on the fastball, that splitter yep. dives, and, and he just has a different presence about him. Yeah. Hap is what, you know, has been everything the Yankees wanted from him. He's a left-handed ground ball guy who pitches great in big games, who pitches well against the Red Sox. And then you have Severino, who has been our wild card all summer long. Yeah. He is the guy who probably has the best potential to throw a gem but he also has the highest possibility of doing what he did last year, which is not make it out of the first inning. Yeah, now, where it's 5 nothing. Before I get your take, I want to hear yours too. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think the Yankees are going to do about as close to a bullpen game as you can get. Mm. They basically did this um, on, on uh, Thursday, or on Wednesday against Tampa Bay. And no, that was the Monday game. I'm sorry, the Monday game where they, they started Holder. And it was an all-bullpen game, and they were dominant, every single one of them. Obviously, we saw that last year. Now, what I don't love the narrative from last year is everybody's talking about, oh, well, it's you know what they did last year. That was not how that they threw it up. They didn't want Severino to give up three runs before getting three outs. So, yeah. obviously, they went to Green, Robertson. I don't see Robertson being able to pitch three and a third again. I don't no. be But, you know, they also have Chapman who's now been pitching out of the 7th or 8th, and he's starting to get his feel, the feel of his pitches back and his legs under him again. But Tansis has been very good, and Britton seems like he's been getting those ground balls. Even that game in Fenway on Friday night where he, he almost nasty, blew it. That he, the Yankees blew two double plays that yeah. should have been the game and, and, and before he couldn't throw the ball over the plate. I do trust him in a big spot. So, long story short, I think they're going to go to Severino, and they're going to say, we're going to have you empty the tank and face this lineup once. That's our goal. If you can get us through into the third or into the fourth, facing the minimum, then we're going to empty the tank and go Green, Britain, Batances, Robertson, Britain, in, in whatever order that is, you know? Because I think even though you don't want to look ahead to the next game since it's not guaranteed, I think they would feel really fucking good having whatever order you want of Hap and Tanaka starting, game, starting games one and two in Fenway Park. What are your thoughts? So, I think I agree with you. I think that is what's going to happen. I think tomorrow, probably in the afternoon at some time, uh, Severino's going to get announced as the starter. And that's exactly what they're going to do. I think they're going to say, empty the tank if you can go five. Fucking great. I don't think they'll even let him. I think if he's throwing a no-hitter, he's out of the game in wow. the third or fourth. Okay. Okay, but what I would like to see, and, I, and you said it earlier, and I actually had this thought earlier, CeCe Sabathia through the first time in the lineup is one of the best pitchers in baseball. I think he's pitching to like a 1 ERA through the first time in the lineup, okay? Tell CeCe you're going to throw three and then have that exact same bullpen ready to go, and then you have Severino, Happ, and Tanaka lined up to start the first three games that of that ALDS against the Red Sox. I think, in my opinion, that's your best move. CC Sabathia is not going to go out there and lay a dud in a wild card game. I know that for sure. First time around the lineup, before he gets tired, before people start recognizing and picking up on his pitches, he's got a great ERA, have Chad Green ready to go, then have Robertson ready to go, then have Batances, 
and then Chapman and Britain, whichever flip flop, right. whatever you want. I think that is exactly what I would do. I think it's a little bold of a move. I think it's a little hot take-ish, but that's the move that I it's would It's a hot make. take, but I like it. The reason they won't do it is this. You mentioned the point to, I mean, first of all, they have guys who are just have better stuff than CC. And I know CC's got yeah. that grit and guile. And I think if Hap wasn't on the team, I think that would be a realistic possibility. I think Lance Lynn is going to be on this wild card game roster as well as another guy who can throw the ball hard. Probably Sheffield. And I don't think Sheffield, man. No. He's had two games. I think Tarpley has a better chance than him. Tarpley's actually pitched well. Sheffield hasn't been able to throw the ball over the plate in the couple appearances he's had. Um, but I think they want him in the dugout to kind of soak it all in. You mentioned something about having Severino, Tanaka, and Hap lined up for games one, two, and three. They would do that anyway. Because of the off days, you know, if you start Severino, particularly if he doesn't even pitch a full game, he's on five days rest by the time game three rolls around back at the stadium. I think they like Severino a lot more against the Red Sox at Yankee Stadium than they like Severino at Fenway Park. And I like CeCe a lot more at Yankee Stadium against the Red Sox, where he's had where he's pitched quite well the last few years than against the Red Sox at Fenway Park where he has had some Nightmares, really bad yeah. games. I agree with you. I, I, it's just a pipe dream, and I know it'll never happen, but I, in my in my opinion, that's the best-case scenario just because of how well, first of all, how, as you would say, battle-tested CC is. I mean, the guy, oh, his yeah. playoff, he's playoff gonna have resume a role in the postseason. And also just the stat of how well he's done against the lineup on the first time around. Oh yeah, no, and, and especially at home, it's a good stat. I mean, and he, I mean, he he handled a really good Cleveland lineup twice last year, albeit for you know four or five inning increments. But still, that's like you said, but you just want point. one. Let him go through. right, and then and the same against Houston. Even in Game Seven, he gave him a chance to win in Houston. Um, I just I think when you have the biggest thing is is and I know you hate to hear it and fans are going to hate to hear it too but it's the reality of the situation man they're going to make decisions that are going to not put them at the point of being completely second guessed if you start Severino he's supposed to be your ace you know if you start Tanaka he's supposed to be your you know one double A pitcher yeah. you know he, because of the success he's had in the postseason I wouldn't mind and them even, going and out there every, with Tanaka either no to be and, and, I mean and Hap, even Hap, Hap too. if people say Hap I mean it's like what he's been 7-0 and 8-0 actually in the Yankee uniform so I mean you can't if he goes out there and shits the bed no one's going to be like, wow, that was a really bad move. Severino, people really criticize him because of last year. You know, that was one really bad inning. People forget the game four performance against Cleveland he had, which was also an elimination game and a young kid coming back with all the pressure against him, remember, after that crazy yep. game three win, and he shut the Indians down. And in games two and six of the Houston series – didn't pitch poorly at all. The Yankees just couldn't touch Verlander. If he was matched up against anybody else, the Yankees might have won one of those games and and was playing in the World Series. Severino doesn't scare me in those moments. And he, he pitched opening day in Toronto. That was his first opening day. He was great. You know, you've got to learn from some of those things. And mm-hmm. if he goes out and, and gets hammered again, just like last year's wild card game, it will still be, listen, what do you want us to do? He's our ace. He's the guy that, you know, has won one of the, has some, the, one of the best records of any starting pitcher in the American League the last two years. So it, it's hard. Nobody's going to criticize that. If you throw CeCe, 
it's like, yeah, we get it. The sentimentality is awesome, and we do understand the first inning stat or the first time around stats, and we understand what he's done at home. But this is a this is a rotation that actually has depth this year. Yeah, so you don't need to rely I know it'll on never him. Happen. I just thought it'd be nice to have those three guys lined up in whichever order you want to pitch him on, like seven days rest. You right. Know? But let's let's look at the lineup from from that point of view as well. From the offensive point of view, the Yankees caught two breaks over the past two weeks. Hicks had a hamstring, ended up only keeping him out a day, I believe. Yeah, that could have been a lot worse. I mean, you see it in football; these hamstring injuries could keep guys out for a day, for a day, or could keep them out for three weeks. And then the bigger thing that really, really, really you got to take a breath is DD. Yeah, that wrist is scary. It was partially torn cartilage. When we talked last Monday, we didn't know if he'd be playing. He ended up playing Thursday and Friday and Saturday and got at bats. Got a couple hits. Looked fine. God, did they need him. I mean, that lefty bat the power that he has, the gold glove defense that he has, the length of the lineup is better. He's not going to be scared of any kind of moment that comes to him. Had some of the biggest hits in Yankee history last Last year year in the playoffs, both at home and on the road. Yeah, and and you can see this lineup. Now, what I want to get to is this. I'm not going to hearken too much on the Gary Sanchez catching situation. I know people want to. I'm going to say this. I love Romine. I could see him coming in if the Yankees have a lead late to catch a guy like Britton or to catch a guy like Chapman um, or Robertson's curveball. Or Batances. Right. Any of those guys. Mm -hmm. The Yankees are not going to tell their 23-year-old catcher of the future that they still hope. And we know it's been a tumultuous season for him, and we've been on him a couple times. And he's, he's really struggled with the pass ball. And, yes, a pass ball could really hurt him. And Kurt, the Yankees, you know, if there's a runner on second and one out, ball gets past him, ball hits to the outfield, scores a run, the you Yankees lose live by that. one. That's what you have to live with. But the reason you why have, have to, to play him is because one pitch, it could it could change a game when he hits the ball out of the ballpark. Which he's done lately. And, you know, I know Romine had a couple big home runs this year. I think he's in double digits along with seemingly, he's not the, Gary Sanchez. seemingly the entire roster. Gary Sanchez can turn a game with one swing. And he can do it a lot more often than Romine can. He's a dynamic offensive player. He deepens that lineup. He's going to change how a pitcher thinks. He's going to change how a pitcher pitches. Listen, you're not. It's just. It's in inarguable. He's going to start. Yep. And, and to but, all the people with the analytics, I say fuck it. This is your franchise catcher who you want to be your franchise catcher. They've gone out of their way to defend him. You know, sometimes to the fans. Disdain. They he he. They have gone out of their way to to coddle him almost. He will be catching that game, and rightfully so. The question I have for you is left field. Does Gardner McCutcheon play? or Gardner McCutcheon? I think so too. McCutcheon, a hundred out of a hundred thousand percent. McCutcheon's been great for the Yankees. Yep. I have zero complaints about McCutcheon. At this point, they're probably even dead even defending. They're probably dead even base running wise. McCutcheon runs even more than Gardner, who has been a headache since he's come up. And Gardner's a great Yankee, and I appreciate everything. Thanks. He for has had some big hits lately. Big hits, but the thing is, when McCutcheon has two, you I can't, know. You know, McCutcheon's I'm just saying. Had, I'm just saying. McCutcheon's yeah. had a lot more, even defensively, and McCutcheon will steal you a base. Whereas Gardner, you're looking at the pitcher hasn't even looked over at him, and you're screaming at the television, "Go!" And he just will not 
go at all whatsoever. He he's a great base runner. Don't get me wrong. Turns a double into a triple. He'll score. He'll score from second on a single ten out of ten times. Yep. But McCutcheon will be much more aggressive on the base pads, and that's just like Gary Sanchez. Just the name being in the lineup. That's another thing a pitcher has to think about. I think. I mean, Guardy from the you know having a left-handed hitter in a in a somewhat righty dominant lineup. That's great. But McCutcheon just at this point in his career is a much better player than Gardner. Yeah, I mean, and, and don't get me wrong, Gardner's a great guy to have one pinch hitting and two a guy to come in defensively off the bench if you need him. I was gonna say um, McCutcheon and left does scare me a bit, particularly in the spacious Yankee Stadium, uh, just because he's unfamiliar playing left, and especially that's not an easy left I field to play. I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees are up three nothing in the seventh inning if you see Gardner, Gardner comes and in. Romine come in to play. Yeah, and, which and is may- fine, and maybe Hechevarria to third. Which I also think the one thing that does scare me about this game before we go into our predictions, the Yankee defense has been atrocious, and not just from the catching position. Over the last couple months, they throw the ball away a lot. They're careless with the baseball. They don't make the routine plays. I mean, that Friday night game was watching a you know it was like watching a train wreck. I mean, Britain has the game throwing nasty sinker after nasty sinker, getting ground ball, ground ball, ground ball, and, you know, ball's going into outfield, Andujar not making the right play, Torres not catching a ball. They're young kids that you're going to have to live with, but I, some of those mistakes, they're going to cost you in a playoff game. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. Um, Hopefully they can all lock it in. You hope that, you know, Andujar hits a three-run shot. Yeah. Or Torres, you know, base base hit to give you an RBI because it makes it a lot more palatable that way. All right, Mr. Pacino, give me your give me your prediction. I think the Yankees win this game three to one. I think Stanton has a huge hit, and that's what I think. That's just the way I feel. I think I think Britain comes in and slams the door in the ninth, and and that's it. We're we're on to the Red Sox. Oh God, I'm wrestling with this. Yankees win. Oh my god. But not <laughs> not easy, man. I'm telling you. What this you game this, sca- like a, this a game scares me. 7 to 5 game. I was just going to say I I this game has 4-3 written all over it to me. Um I think both teams can score a couple runs. I don't think there'll be a shutout on either side. No. Um, but I think this Yankees staff comes out electric in this game. Like yes. they haven't been in a long time. Yep, and I, and it definitely can happen. I mean, they did it Monday in Tampa. I mean, for nine innings worth. Um, but remember in 2015, I know they don't have a Keuchel, right? But the Oakland Athletics are a really good team, and so is that Houston team. This is a different Yankees lineup, man. It is a different Yankee lineup, but there's something that scares me about their opponent. Last year, even down three nothing. The Yankees own the Twins franchise. Like I'm pretty sure they have a stake in the organization, <laughs> and they and they completely dominated Irvin Santana. It didn't matter if it was Jeter and A Rod and Teixeira, or whether it was, you know, if it was Todd Frazier or if it was Judge and Gary. I mean, and Didi. Like it, it didn't matter. You just knew that they were going to come back. There was no reliever out of that team that you knew could shut you down. I think Barrios was the one guy that you wondered in a close game. He had nothing, young kid. I don't get the sense that this A's team is going to be scared. They have some veterans to go along with a really confident group of young players. 
it's really hard for me to say with a lot of confidence that they've got this game. But I do think that Yankee Stadium, having this game at home, it's going to be a lot of fun. 4-3 four, 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 Yankees. All right. Well, why don't we look ahead? Why don't we look to the next series? So, we both predicted the Yankees are going to win the wild card game against the Oakland Athletics. You said 4-3. to three, I said 3-1. to one. What do you think? What are we thinking about the ALCS with the Red Sox? Yes. Uh, sorry, ALDS. It's cr- well, no, you, it, it's fair because this is the first time with this new wild card format that they could actually play each other in the first round. Yeah. Um, Give me your I, take first. I like, honestly, looking ahead, and, and, you know, you should never look ahead, but I'm not on the team, and I don't own the team. I know you own part of the team, but I don't own the team. I think the Yankees have a really good shot in this series, I do too. believe it or not. I do, too. I think if you go up and down and you look at the and you look at the team, all right, the Red Sox are better defensively, head and shoulders above the Yankees. The Yankees kick the ball around. They throw the ball around. Offensively, the Red Sox' top half of their lineup is the best in baseball. But when it comes to the deepness of the lineup, there's nobody better than the Yankees when they're on and when they're healthy. Starting pitching, I think they're about even coming around the second half. I think they're about dead even. When you get past the aces with Chris Sale being a lot better than Larry Severino, mm, I think that just comes with age. Not right now. Not right now. Yeah, but Chris Sale is going to, I'm telling you, he's going to lock it in in the playoffs. But I don't think he's going to be able to. But I'm sorry to cut you off, but just keep going. That's all right. You can just say sorry to interrupt. <laughs> and when, when, when you go ahead and you look at the bullpens, the Yankees blow the fucking Red Sox out of the water. Aside from Kimbrell and Matt Barnes. Who's shaky you, in his own right. Yeah, absolutely. Kimbrell never really has – he's kind of like Chapman in that sense where he never really has a – it's never a Mariano night. I'll no. put it to you that way. No. Um, aside from Kimbrell and Matt Barnes, who do the Red Sox really have? And I know, and you see this all the time. You saw it with the Mariners when they broke the record for wins – and you've seen it all down the line with these teams when they just mash all during the regular season. Well, guess what? You're not playing the Kansas City Royals anymore. This team is good as well. And unless you have a good bullpen, it's going to bite you in the ass. And this may be another classic season of the Red Sox playing really, really well in the regular season and not being able to put it together in the postseason. Although I will acknowledge that the Red Sox have won more World Series than the 21st century than the Yankees. Yeah, that's a grudgingly just a tough thing to say and admit to, right? Um, yeah. So I would like to say that I totally agree with everything that you and said. And another thing I have to say is Go. that David Price, the Yankees, fucking. Own so him. thank you. So so you mentioned starting pitching. The reason I was kind of like eh about Chris Sale is this: Chris Sale hasn't won any big games in his entire career. Now last year, they definitely ran him a little too much into the ground. Uh, the Yankees made that division a lot tighter than they wanted to, so they had to pitch him in some higher leverage games more down the stretch. This year, he's been on the disabled list twice with shoulder inflammation. He hasn't pitched more than three innings in a game since he's been back, so you wonder about his pitch count. True. The other thing is, he averaged 90 miles an hour on his fastball against the Orioles a couple weeks ago. Ooh, that's not Chris Sale. Yeah. Last no, week. Last week was his last start at home. I was I, I, I had that thought in my head, but I'm thinking of a fully healthy no, Chris I, Sale. No, and I agreed. And and I still think even with a fully healthy Chris Sale, as you know, you no matter how great a pitcher is, and he is great, especially when he's healthy and in the first half, you you eventually have to get to a point where when you see a guy enough, not gonna say that they're gonna shell him. I would never make that case. But I think they could wear him out 
with some really tough at bats, having Judge back, who has a 3-2 count basically every count. McCutcheon working the walks that he has, especially pimping those walks with a bat flip. I fucking love it. Yeah, he's and seen more pitches in an at-bat than anybody else in Luke baseball. Luke Voigt sees pitches. You know, that was a big, that's a big addition to that lineup. And Did Greg Bird die? Yeah. Is he okay? Yeah, he's he's gone. I I bet you he's not even on the postseason roster, to be honest with you. Um, Man. Yeah, because you're going to have Neil Walker. And, and so, right now, the status of Chris Sale, if you're a Red Sox fan, you can't feel great about where he's at. No. And then you go to the David Price factor. David Price has had an awesome season. And I don't want to hear the Yankee Stadium yips because he gets hammered at Fenway too by the Yankees. The only start he pitched pretty well against, and people forget that he was it was good by his standards. He was still in line for the loss before Chapman coughed up that final game in Boston during that awful four-game sweep in in early August. He he doesn't get the Yankees out. There's right-handed hitters that, you know, he his biggest pitch is that cutter that he can throw away, 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 and then come back in. Well, those Yankee right-handed hitters can hit the ball the other way and they're so quick inside that they'll just that they'll just pastor the wall, which they've been doing anyway. I agree, and I can honestly say... It's a mental thing, too, because he's also not good in the playoffs, period. Yeah, I mean, he had a little bit of a run with the Blue Jays. You've alluded to this, you know, throughout the entire season when he was more of a mercenary and a hired gun, as you like to say. I really can't remember him being an absolute stud in the playoffs since he was closing for the Tampa Bay Rays in 2008. Royals hit him hard twice in that ALCS when he was with the Blue Jays. So, yeah, I mean, he either runs out of gas, it's either mental, and sometimes, listen, man, there's great pitchers that can't do it. With Aside from a couple of great games, Roger Clemens was a you know consistently poor postseason pitcher. And then you have a guy like Andy Pettit who could go out there and pitch to a four-something ERA in the regular season, get knocked around by you know a, 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 a sub-500 Oriole team. But you know when the lights are on, that hat down, who would you and glove over the face? Who else would you rather have in a game? Yeah. And David Price seems like he doesn't want any part of the lights on him. Yeah. Analogy. So, um, and then you look at a Porcello who he's really hot and cold. He can dominate you. Or he could, or he could get shelled. And I think if you face Porcello in New York, I feel a lot better about them hitting him there than I do at Fenway Park. The pressure that you spoke to—that's a really good point. Because that fan base—could you imagine winning, having the kind of season that they did, and losing to the Yankees? Almost like a reversal of 2004. Yeah, yeah. This could be a reversal of 2004. I know that was the ALCS, but. Not to mention they had like a hundred I mean, years on their right, back. Right, right, right. No, but I'm just saying as far as like pressure, you know, like the yeah. Yankees won that division. They had never lost to Boston in the playoffs. Boston, like you said, in the 21st century has more world championships than the Yankees do. And could you imagine them ruining their best season in franchise history, regular season wise at the hands of the Yankees? Because remember last year, they won the division, but nobody wanted to talk about it because the Yankees went deep, and you knew that was their worst nightmare, having to see a wild card team from the same division, them being the Yankees, go all the way to the world, almost you know one game away from the World Series. I feel much better about the Yankees taking them down than the A's. I think I could see Price, you know, manhand carving up the A's. Um, but I think that if the Yankees go, I'm not going to say they'd win. But I will definitely say that could be a five-game set. They know each other very, very well. Lots of veterans, lots of high-power bats, high-power arms. 
I would feel pretty good about the Yankees playing the Red Sox. Absolutely, man. I, I could really see the Yankees winning that uh, that World Series. So that'll be the playoff preview so far. Obviously, we're going to have the Monday Rundown pod every Monday. So we'll be keeping you updated on that. I'm, I'm excited for Wednesday, and I think the Yankees have a really good shot to win. But I'm not going to get ahead of myself either. Yeah. Because that is a tough Oakland As you team. hear. And, and maybe, you know, Monday I'm jumping up and down. And they're in a they're they're winning an ALDS, but right now jumping up and, and down. down, jumping wow. up and down. You can't even get can't even get the that'll words on, out. That would be on Instagram Live at sorry That's sports. That's it. Sorry, uh, sorry sports. Waving sorry, the Yankee jersey. Jer- waving there. the Yankee, Yankee jersey like a, one of those terrible towels. There you go, bro. That'll be cute. All right, so let's do some adorable. Rapid, <laughs> so let's do some rapid fire uh, NCAA football. Do some recaps here. Before I go on, we're going to talk about Alabama. They obviously blew out Louisiana Lafayette. <laughs> I know why you're laughing. This is fucking great. Because I had fucking Alabama covering the goddamn spread, and they go out, and, and they interview after Saban after the game, and he says, oh, it, it was great to get the young guys out there and all this shit. What the fuck, dude? This goes against all of your beliefs. The young guys will play in three years, all right? So, what, what? so you're saying that he wasn't thinking about your sole bet? In this game, he should have fucking put up ten more points because you know what? This is like it's awesome. people's opinions awesome. that get you into the awesome. fucking thing. Georgia didn't cover either. It makes you hate them even that much more. Which the is only great. thing they covered was the Texas Tech and and West Virginia over, which was like the easiest lock ever. I mean, we're obviously not doing well with our NFL picks either. Batting five hundred again. We'll Heinous. get into that on Wednesday, but let's jump into some college football. So I said Notre Dame was going to beat Stanford, but I didn't think they were going to fucking mollywop Stanford. <laughs> what a great term. Um, Ass kicking. That new that new quarterback, Book, he looks really good, man. And that's a good team. I think that's a team that could also make a run at the playoff with this new quarterback. Very accurate. He can move like the other quarterback, but the difference is the accuracy. He can really throw the ball well. Yeah, so so in the new playoff system, you got to have statement wins. And Love went out with an injury too, which yeah. seems like it happens once a month. Right. This Stanford team struggles to score against non-Pac-12 teams. Um, I mean, obviously they play. I mean, a, actual defenses. Right. They play a Big Ten style of football in the Pac-12. We've said that, and and you know, if you lose a an early season Heisman front or uh, candidate in in Bryce Love, you know, you're definitely you're definitely barking up the wrong tree there. This was a statement win by Notre Dame, just like you said, man. Fucking A. Going out there and taking 38-7. to seven, That was an ass-kicking. Good for them. Because when, when the when the committee's looking, if they do finish off the season, remember, they're an independent. They don't play in a, in a, in a uh, conference in a conference championship game. And they're not going to get voted on by any conferences. So if they, they you got to have chance. statement wins. This was a statement win. And Blow they out another top 10 team. Very good chance to run the table as well. Yeah, they always do. I mean, they play some ACC teams. They got Virginia Tech coming up this week, who's no slouch. But, wow, that was a hell of a performance. Absolutely. So let's move on to the next game. Kentucky is just continuing to roll. Um, they beat South Carolina 24-10. to South Carolina is this team, man. They they never have the recruits. They're it always bad. breaks my heart. And, you know, aside from Georgia, you could really be a team over there in the SEC East that can hold it up. They just never have the recruits, and now you got Kentucky. You're losing to Kentucky, yeah, who's ranked I think I think 17th in the country, and they're gonna have a chance to drop maybe to number 14, number 12. Yeah, they're gonna yeah they're gonna rise. They're gonna, I mean, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, they're gonna keep going up the, those those polls, especially with some other teams either not playing well or getting knocked off. 
Good for Kentucky. Once again, I still have to check myself and remind myself that I'm looking at NCAA football and not basketball. Basketball's coming up, though. Yes, Training it is. Training camp start. Yep. All right. That was another. Wow, Kentucky. Totally. That's got to be one of the biggest surprises in top Division One football this year. Absolutely. So next game up, Virginia Tech. I guess you would call it an upset of Duke. Duke was a fugazi number 22. We really never thought that they were going to do anything. They beat them 31-14 to in Durham. Statement win. That was a big win, though. For sure, yeah. On the road against a conference rival who's ranked. Yeah, that's a big win. Going on, we they're hosting Notre it. Dame this year or this week, so that's going to be a real test for them. Yes, that will. Be, if they could get that win, they're going to go right back into the rankings. They'll probably be in the top fifteen, and they're probably throwing themselves back into the playoff hunt. Yep. Especially because they beat Florida State early in the season. I don't know if that game actually matters anymore. Probably not, but you know what? We'll get into this to come playoff time. You got to play who you're playing, who's ahead of you, and at that point in the season, people thought Florida State was going to be pretty damn good. So the next game up on the docket is number 12, West Virginia, beats up on Texas Tech on the road, beats them 42-34. to This game never felt close. The only thing that was a lock, like I said, was hitting the over, and that quarterback looked pretty good. Will Greer is freaking good, and, they, and he can run up points. That was a classic Big 12 game. It wasn't in the 60s like we thought it could have possibly been. Texas Tech quarterback is hurt. That was a tough injury for them. Once that happened, you knew they were not going to finish up and win that game. Will Greer and that Mountaineers offense is just too explosive. This next game is probably the most interesting game of the week aside from the final game that we're going to talk about. It's Clemson, and this is why you don't transfer, man. This this is why you don't put your transfer papers in. Trevor Lawrence goes out early with a head injury. And they barely survive against a pretty frisky Syracuse team with a senior quarterback. How'd you feel about that one? Um, yeah, I mean, you certainly hindsight twenty twenty is you you look at Kelly Bryant and be like, "Hey, man, sure could have used you." You know, speak, say what you want about Bama. Jalen Hurts is winning teammate of the year this year. I mean, him staying there and, and still playing well when they use him. But Side note to that, I can't blame the kid for leaving and wanting to raise so his thank own draft you. That stock. was That's Absolutely. what I was going to say. You know, they the NCAA, whether it's basketball or football, completely hoses the athletes. We've, we've spoke, you know, on and off so far in our young podcast lives of, of how they've kind of fucked them over from college basketball. College football is just as bad. You see a guy like yeah. Jimbo Fisher up and leave a Florida State program to just take more money in the middle of a contract with no Meanwhile, penalty. With no money, you have to yeah. sit out a year right. if you're and, a transfer. And, the, and that's the thing about college is, you know, it's not just the name of the of the program that you're going to. It's also who's coaching. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy, this coach is going into these young kids, you know, parents' houses and having conversations with them about how they're going to build a foundation and you're going to be the integral part of a national championship team or a conference-winning team. And... You know they can turn around with no remorse and leave, but they're going to bind their students to a student athlete to have to stay there if it's an unideal situation. Listen, if you want to stockpile talent at the quarterback position or any premier position, be my guest. That's what shows that you're a great recruiter and a great head coach. But we knew that as soon as and you you were saying it from day one, if Trevor Lawrence is getting that nod, you know it was like Tua, you know. Kelly Bryant might play, Jalen Hurts might play, but they're not going to be the starter. They're not going to get the majority of the reps. They're not getting first-team snaps all that often in, in practice. And they're probably not going to be the reason that they win unless the starter gets hurt. Tua is better than Hurts. Kelly Bryant is not as good as Trevor Lawrence. And if the guy gets hurt, so be it. 
he wants to continue his career somewhere else, I say good for him. And poor, you know, you feel bad for Trevor Lawrence, although he's going to be back. He's practicing today. He's fine. He's fine. But you know, to, be the number one overall pick in two years, anyways. Right. But to have that, you know, I, I listen. I don't really feel bad for you, Clemson. You know, I, I you have the best recruit. Good for you. But if it's football, you might get hurt. And then you're going to have to deal with the consequences. But I am happy with the new rule. I know coaches don't love it, but they can't have it both ways. Absolutely. And, you know, not to defend the NCAA because I think it's an absolute joke of an organization. But to go back to your college basketball point, they are letting people that didn't get drafted re-enter back into college basketball. It's they're a changing step in the right around. direction, yep. and it's and they're the exact same thing as the NFL. Them and the NFL and and FIBA are and the IOC too. Yeah, are are just light years behind of any of the other any of the other major organizations when it comes to making rule changes. This is something that should have happened in in the nineties, where you right. should be able to come back if you don't hire an agent. Or anything like that. Listen, but. these are factories that we use that term and analogy of, of, of players. I mean, you know, it's it's teams true, like this have so much talent and they're going to recruit the best players. But listen, if you're better than somebody else or you're not as good as the next kid that comes in and they don't want you to play. Listen, Jalen Hurst was 27-2 and two as a starter and should have won a national championship. And they pulled the plug on him because Tua is better. And he has a, he adds the dimension to an already great team, and that's how they're looking at you know Clemson is looking at their quarterback situation. You know Kelly Bryant's a very good quarterback, but he was not very good last year against Alabama's defense in the in the uh, semifinal of the college football playoff. That and they're going to look, gonna at, look at Trevor Lawrence and they're going to say you might be able to make throws against that Bama defense that Kelly Bryant can't make, and just like. The just like Saban did against Georgia. Listen, Jalen, we love you, but this game has become an offensive game, and we know you cannot score quick, but we have a guy that can. And there's no way you're going to put him on the bench after what he doesn't to win you a national championship. Clemson's hoping to get you know catch lightning in the bottle and much in the same way. I think that move, especially early in the season, was a huge move by Dabo. Um, aside from you know Kelly Bryant's status or where he's going to go, whatever. I think that was looking forward to the Final Four, and I think that they're they're a perennial favorite to win the national title yeah, as long snu- as he can play well. No doubt. They snuck by this game. A win is a win. Like you said, Syracuse with a senior quarterback, that's a scrappy team. They beat them last year up in Syracuse, so in the Carrier Dome. Syracuse is going to go to a good bowl this year. They may finish the season in the top 25. They're a really fun team to watch. They are. They're no slouch in the ACC by any means. Uh, let's get into that final game, though, that we want to discuss. Well, we'll talk about Washington. Oh, they right. blew out BYU. Um, did not expect this from them. No, I thought I, this was going to be a close one. I thought they were going to pull it out. Yep. They put themselves back in the top 10 with that one. They did. Yeah, I almost skipped this because I was so ready to talk about that Penn State game. But, yeah, man. uh, Yeah, Barry in the lead there. Good call. Oh, you're so brilliant, dude. So brilliant. Um, (laughs) All our listeners are, you know, so lucky to have you. Um, No, I I definitely was surprised by when I saw that score. I was not watching it as as intently as I thought I could have that night. But a great game. BYU is a good team. We know they went into Madison, Wisconsin, and beat the Badgers um, at number 20 in the country. But that was a statement win. We've been saying all year that Washington, when push comes to shove, is probably the cream of the crop in the Pac-12. They definitely played that way. So now it's, you know, just all systems go for the Huskies. All right, now on to the game that you've been chomping at the bit since I mentioned NCAA football. Ohio State ekes out. I'd say a pretty good win 
given the circumstances and whatnot. It was a good win. Um, their quarterback led that team to about a 90-yard drive to win that game, and it, it was a really, really fun game to watch. Penn State should have won that game. What the fuck are you doing? Give him the ball to the running back. It's done nothing all game. As your quarterback, who's ran and thrown all over Ohio State all game, has done. Dwayne Terrible ha- call. D- Dwayne Haskins is a hell of a quarterback. The thing about Penn State is this: is this is not you know they have a they have a leading quarterback and a and a senior quarterback, but they don't have a senior rest of the team. Obviously, they lost Saquon, and that defense is super young, and hasn't played great this year. Remember, they almost lost to Appalachian State. So the defense played about as well as they possibly could have feeding off that home crowd and the adrenaline against a very talented Ohio State team led offense led by Dwayne Haskins, a quarterback who, you know, we, we've mentioned analysts and people who know the game really well have said this might be the best quarterback that, that Urban Myers had at Ohio State and maybe had ever. So just from a pure talent perspective, who knows, you know, how he, how he turns out going forward, but he looked pretty lost and Penn state had control of that game. And I know you can never say one play lost you a game, but when they missed that field goal, the momentum kind of came out and you just had a feeling Ohio state was going to capitalize. Cause that's what great teams do. Yeah. And I know they hit the field goal late to give them the win. If Penn state has those three points, that game's probably over. And yep. you know, in they blew that 13 point lead last year to Ohio State in Columbus. So so Ohio State and Urban Meyer have gotten those wins against Penn State and James Franklin late the last few years. I like James Franklin. I think I he's a too. really good head coach. He put it all on himself. Yep. After the game, I mean, listen, we don't know anything about these coaches going back to Joe Paterno, you know, you thought he was the greatest man in America and then you find out all these things. But by all accounts, he seems like a really good head coach and Really you good know, dude. He put it yeah. All himself. Yep. And, and that's what you know you'd like to see from those He's coaches. He's doing a really good job rebuilding this Penn State program. He has, and they have a really good recruiting class coming in next year. They have a quarterback who's supposed to be even better than Trace McSorley coming, you know, ready to play. He's actually already a sophomore, so he's going to be a junior next year playing. You know, he's going to know that offense. They might be able to pick up basically right where they've left off. But to be where McSorley's they are this player, year, man. McSorley good. is. I don't know what he's going to be in the next level. He's probably, you know, a fifth or sixth round pick, and, and maybe athleticism allows him to win a job out of the practice squad yeah, or something. you never know. He could be like the guy on the New Orleans Saints where they got that change of pace option running. Oh, don't uh, remind quarterback me. Guy. Yeah, no, I saw plenty of him yesterday, um, <laughs> <laughs> which, we'll talk about, guys which we'll talk about on our NFL pod. But, yeah, no, that was a great game. I mean, that was everything I wanted in that game. It was exciting. Exciting it to the very end. That was a classic Big Ten game. Very physical, big play after big play. Defenses hard hitting. Penn State just didn't have the stamina to keep up, you know. And 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 credit to Urban Meyer and as a football coach and Ohio State making the necessary adjustments on offense because Dwayne Haskins really didn't look like he knew what was going on in the first half. No, but then he they turned started, it around. Yeah, and he did because you know what they did was they started making a lot of quick plays. You could see he was trying to do what he did against TCU, which yeah, was kind of sit back in the pocket, making. utilize his mobility to make big plays. They were getting the ball out of his hand really freaking fast, getting the ball into the playmaker's hands where they could use the open field against a defense that was young and that was tiring in Penn State. Um, that's just knowing your personnel and that's making the adjustments in game that you need to make. So fuck hey, Ohio said, State. But we good never win said Urban them. Meyer was a bad coach. He's just not a great guy. I'm always going to emphasize when I use the word great with Urban Meyer that it is only 
as a football coach. Absolutely. So it was a really fun week of college football. Looking ahead to next week with college football, this is the sixth week of the season. Not a lot going on, man. No, really dude, not, not really. We were stretch- I was week. stretching for games. I mean, you got the Red River rivalry with Texas and Oklahoma, both teams in the top 20. Texas, you know, that would be a First big time win in a for while them. for that. that. Yeah, this is it feels like circa 2008 here with uh, – with Colt McCoy playing against Sam Bradford. Um, so, <laughs> you know, like I, I think that Tom's just laughing because he's thinking of them as NFL quarterbacks. Uh, Texas against Oklahoma, that game's always in Dallas, you know, neutral field, get both those, you know, really passionate fan bases. I'm excited about that game. It's a noon game too. It's early. LSU to Florida. Uh, the Gators beat Mississippi State 13-7. I'm not going to get too crazy about that. The Gators are not very good. They don't score points. LSU's going to roll this LSU game. should dominate this game. It I'm not making bets anymore. I'm done with it. Yeah, you should be. Um, Notre Dame's going to Virginia Tech at Blacksburg, Virginia. Virginia Tech's trying to you know take care of that momentum that they have from winning at Duke. Notre Dame, I mean, talk about momentum. That was about as high as a game. What you hope for with Brian Kelly and the and the young quarterback there is, hey, listen, just don't have a don't have a letdown game. You know, maybe this game's closer. Maybe you know that momentum from the night game against Stanford at home is kind of you know air is coming out of that balloon a little bit. But just play well, get the win, get out of there with a victory, and continue to go on and try to make a run at the college football playoff. Finally, Stanford looks to get back on track against Utah out west. Once again, talk about stretching for games. This is really a stretch for a game. I won't be watching it, but I will be interested in the score to see if Stanford, because if they if they get let down and they lose that it's game over. or if it's even tight, that season's completely I gone. I know I was high on Stanford a few weeks ago, but you know, Listen, with, love, with love being banged up, they this got lucky in that Oregon game, man. They played well. They had no business winning. Oregon's they got some bad, lucky man. breaks. And now, you know, Oregon's quarterback is and projected I, I know, to be the top quarterback coming out of this draft. I poo-pooed Oregon before I rewatched that that Stanford game. I rewatched the highlights and I watched them last week. That quarterback's good, man. No, he they're is. Be- I, they're a lot better than I thought they were when I saw them at 19. Maybe a future giant quarterback. Maybe trading in that Oregon green and yellow for a giant blue. Who Jesus, knows? Jesus, you're disgusting already begging Need for a quarterback. Need a quarterback. Oh, I'm sorry. Was I not last year? It was <laughs> going crazy <laughs> for a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, it's going to be – this might be the weekend where, you know, if you have a significant other you, on a Saturday, maybe – Maybe you go apple picking. Maybe you go out to brunch or something. This is the this weekend is, where you don't have to watch college this football. Is, this is Tom's thing for saying, okay, he got his girlfriend's plans booked for a weekend. He circled his calendar and said, all right, honey, this is this is the weekend we're doing this. <laughs> yeah. All right, don't talk to me next weekend, but I'll, I'm totally yours this weekend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, this is the weekend where... If you got something else planned, maybe tell somebody, you know, we can have your, I know your birthday was two weeks ago, but we can go out this weekend, all right? <laughs> you all know right. that Penn State Ohio State game was on, man. I'm sorry. I <laughs> exactly. Couldn't so, make it happen. Tough week for college football, but why don't we move on to some NBA? We're going to talk about one player only. We're going to be doing an NBA preview coming up very soon, most likely next week. Little uh, The season's creeping up, man. There. It's two little weeks away. Um, we will be going up and down the league, combing over every single roster. You know, we already did that with baseball, and we already did that with football. Got to do it for basketball. A little bit with college football. We did it a little bit with college football. We'll do it a little bit with college basketball, Much more but we will dedicate a pod to all of the pro sports. We will be combing up and down every single roster. 
Sean GM is, Tom will have his hat on for all oh, 30 be teams. On Absolutely. <laughs> but GM Tom is here now. I took the podcaster hat off, put the GM hat on just to be as corny as possible here. Seriously. Um, Jimmy Butler, man. Listen, I'm going to start it off by saying this. If you're Tom Thibodeau and you're going to ask the fucking Philadelphia 76ers for Ben, ben Simmons, Simmons, are you fucking kidding me, dude? This guy does not want to be on your team. Trade him for everything you possibly can. And you're going to ask for Ben Simmons? Seriously, man. This is this is like the stubborn head coach slash you know GM that doesn't want any part of the trade and is a, a you know a standstill with the owner or, who does want the trade. Or and this is a conspiracy. Another team could be sending that bullshit out there. Trying to yeah, push I mean it that's always possibly that's always a possibility. You know the team always comes out of the blue, and that's why my Toronto Raptors may be the team. And Kawhi looked pretty good in his first preseason game. May be the team to go up and scoop him at the last second. It's still looking like a Heat, and it's still looking like the Brooklyn Nets. I really don't have anything else for you. If I were to give you a prediction, though, bro, it's it's the Heat. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, the Nets haven't sent anything out. Since we spoke, any outlet that's made it seem like a trade's possible. Since we spoke last, like nothing's come of it except for that Ben Simmons bullshit. Literally nothing. They're gonna he hasn't, have to move him before the season, though. He's not, not playing, reporting. He yeah. hasn't showed up to media day. Like they're gonna have to trade him. It's just to who, and it's not gonna be for Ben Simmons or Markel Fultz or Joel Embiid or or fucking Kristaps Porzingis or or any of these guys that are huge players that are locked up under contract because it's just like any of these other guys. This guy can leave. You're going to give up a huge asset like Ben Simmons who's probably at this and point teams better know than that. Jimmy Listen, Butler. even in a even in a much more wide open Eastern Conference teams know. Jimmy right? Butler would be so fun you on the Sixers still but have not to for go Ben past the any juggernaut in the West. Which means the Golden State Warriors, but so Houston Rockets, the yeah, Lakers are going to be good this year. But you know, if you're an Eastern Conference team, you'd only have to worry about the finals. So, which is where you know, I'll make my quick prediction. I think the Warriors will be there again. Um, wow, bold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Yawn>. Seriously. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, there's really nothing else on Jimmy Butler. Just to speculate though, and, and give you a prediction, I think he's going to be in a Miami Heat uniform before it's all said and done. They better get that deal done quickly, though, because the NBA is, what, two weeks out? It's two weeks out, man. Yeah. That is crazy. So up on the docket next week, um, well, actually, we have a podcast coming out tomorrow because Sean and I obviously have to be locked into the Yankee game. We will do a full recap. Uh, we are at the quarter mark. Believe it or not, it is, it is, it's a sad life when all you do is wait all year. You're so excited for the NFL, and we're already 25% through. Can you believe that? That's it. My, our teams are so, have two collective wins. It, I'm ready for it to be over now with, for the oh, locals. Stop it. <laughs> I'm, Just I'm, let everybody else play. I'm excited to see Sam Darnold, baby boy, continue oh, to develop. Sweet baby Jesus, man. <laughs> I can't take this anymore. And I'm, I'm excited to just keep watching Eli be checked down Charlie. Yeah. I mean, that's what he's been. But uh, we'll the, talk about that tomorrow. These offenses both suck. We will talk about Nazi that tomorrow. Coming up within the next couple of weeks, we have uh, the NBA preview coming out. And we're going to continue to do the two podcasts, Monday run, Monday Rundown and then the Wednesday Football. That's, that's pretty much it. Um, so, yeah, that wraps it up. Let's do it later, man. All right, man. Have a good night. You do the same.